Hi, this is Justin Moore from Creator Wizard, and you're listening to the Eat Blog Talk podcast. Hey, food bloggers, welcome to Eat Blog Talk, the podcast for food bloggers looking for the value and confidence that will move the needle forward in your business. I'm your host, Megan Porta, and you are listening to episode 263 with Justin Moore from Creator Wizard. Today, we are going to have a chat about how food bloggers can charge what they are worth. Justin Moore is the founder of Creator Wizard, an online resource where he teaches the business of being an influencer. Along with his wife, April, he has been a full-time creator for over seven years, on social media for over 10, and has personally made over $3 million working with brands. He has also run an influencer marketing agency for over five years that has helped other creators earn an additional $2 million. He has worked on more than 500 brand deals, interpreted more than 1,000 sponsorship contracts, and has partnered with pretty much every consumer brand imaginable. He has a unique perspective because not only has he been a creator in the trenches doing brand deals for years, but by running an agency, he has been in the room with countless brands, helping them decide how to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on influencer campaigns. Super impressive bio, Justin. I think that's probably one of the best, most robust bios I've ever ever read. Uh, So I'm really excited to chat with you today on this topic. But first, we all want to hear what your fun fact is. Yes. Well, my fun fact is that I was in a heavy metal band in high school. So yeah, yeah. I mean, how awesome is that, right? And I still listen to heavy metal music a lot. So what was the band called? We have to hear the name of it because heavy metal bands have like... (laughs) such great names <laughs> well mine ours was a little bit more uh, uh not as heavy as you might expect it was othello like the shakespearean play so yeah it was uh yeah i don't know how how hardcore that sounds but uh that, that's a fun <laughs> fact <laughs> and what heavy metal do you listen to today what's your favorite oh my goodness um let's see lately i've been listening to like trivium and kill switch engage and under oath and so it was like it was like metal slash screamo slash you know yeah so I was one of those scene kids I love it so here's a little fact about me that I don't tell many people just because it really comes up but I loved heavy metal in college and in high school (laughs) and I grew up with like Metallica and some of those like um, classic bands you know and every time I hear it I don't know, like sometimes my husband will play heavy metal when he's working out and I'm like, oh, I just am taken <laughs> back to those high school days. Totally. It transports you, right? Oh, it does. Like one song, you can just be like lost in right. another world. <laughs> Great fun fact. I've literally never had anyone say that. So you are unique. There we go. <laughs> okay. So let's talk about um, food bloggers and how they can charge with their worth. So I feel like Overall, food blogging is a relatively new, I don't know, like job, like it's kind of a well-known hobby, but as a job, it's relatively new. So navigating sponsored work, which is kind of like an an off branch or like a, a piece of the whole food blogging puzzle um, is kind of like a new thing and it's a little bit tricky and it's a newer thing that we're all learning about like, oh, we have to you know, get paid for what we're doing. And we have to ask for that. We have to put value on ourselves and on our work. So I think this is really relevant and something that's going to really help 
food bloggers dig into their businesses in a new way. Absolutely. And and one of the like to that point, I, I think one of the biggest <laughs> pieces of advice I always give creators in general is that you're kind of like a production company in a box, right? And I think a lot of creators don't think about that, which is like, you know, you ideate the content. You're like a creative services team. You know, you actually shoot the content, you write the content. So you're a copywriter, you know, and then you market the content on all your social media platforms and things like that. And so if you are a brand looking to, you know, partner with a creator or get content that you can use on your own social platforms or on your own website and things, if they did not hire you, they would have to go out and spend a lot of money hiring agencies and hiring, you know, food stylists and hiring, uh, you know, another (coughs) like production company ad agency to do all this stuff for them, which costs money, right? And so you as a creator do all that stuff yourself. And so like, that's, that's a great primer for this conversation, I think, because I think a lot of creators don't think about that. Production company in a box. Oh my gosh, that's such a great way to say that. Like food bloggers literally do so many things and we get so used to it. It's just a part of our worlds that we don't stop to kind of back up and look at the fact that we are doing so much. So it's valuable, right? Like you said, people would have to go out and like hire multiple different facets, like multiple different people and companies to get all of this covered, but we're giving them all of our talents in a single box, which is, it's valuable. I would love to ask you this. What are some of the biggest mistakes creators make when they are pricing themselves for a sponsorship? Yeah, it's a great, it's a great question. So um, I think that one of the, there's a couple things that I think of top of mind. And, and the first is, is that not enough creators ask the brand what the goal is for the campaign. <laughs> because I think this is especially relevant for um, for food creators, you know, because a lot of times brands are wanting to like repurpose their content, right? They want to get recipe rights or they want to like use it for their websites or, you know, to repost on on social media or use it for paid advertising or things like this, right? And so there's there's three major campaign goal types that uh, every brand is going to try to ac- want to accomplish. So the first being a conversion focused campaign. So this is where a brand is looking to drive some sort of very specific action, whether it's sales or whether it's conversions, or maybe it's like coupon redemptions, you know, like, go download this coupon and then go into the store and like buy the buy the food product or whatever, right? Um, so that that's like a very specific goal that the brand is wanting to accomplish. The second one is content repurposing. So, uh, you know, uh, listeners may have experienced this where the brand reaches out, they, they're less concerned about like, you know, you posting it on your social platforms or on your blog or whatever. And it's more about they want to like get great recipe content or get great assets that they can repurpose in other ways. So that's content repurposing. And then the last one is brand awareness. And this is this is where the the metrics are kind of squishiest, right? Where it's like the brand, oh, we just want to get the word out there, you know, and we want like, you know, to, to spread the word, right? And so it's like the metrics that they're going to be tracking are just, you know, impressions and engagement and like kind of more of those vanity metrics, right? And so as a creator, it's extremely important that you know what the brand is trying to accomplish by reaching out to you because your pricing should change based on that, right? So if you understand that the brand is like, let's say it's content repurposing and they just want to get great assets for their website, congratulations, your rate can now be detached from the number of followers you have or the number of page views that you have on your blog because it doesn't matter at that point, right? It's about creating content for the brand. So it's just a small example of like how critical it is to ask these types of questions because if you don't, you're, you you should not have like a standard rate card. I know a lot of creators think this. They're like, oh, they just send their media kit and they have their rates like listed in their in their media kit. No, no, no. You you Starting today, remove your rate card page from your media kit because it is it has nothing to do with you. It, again, and I say this to creators a lot. It's, it sounds strange, but like, 
working with brands has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with what they're trying to accomplish. And so, um, so that's like the, the first thing. Um, by the way, I could talk for hours about this, so just tell me to shut up whenever no, you want no, me no, to. Please, but, no, you're doing great. Yeah, this the, is the so sec- interesting. Yeah, the second thing is, um, so I, I, I'm a big fan of like, uh, like rules and frameworks and methodologies because I think it helps people remember these things. And so I've created this framework called the do rule and that's a D-U-E. And so whenever a brand reaches out to you about a partnership or you're pitching a brand, you always have to keep in mind these three things, which are the major price levers that you need to use when figuring out your rates. The first is deliverables. So that's the D. So, you know, this is the essentially figuring out exactly what the brand is trying, like how many posts they want you to do, what do they, you know, how many recipes do they want you to develop? A lot of times when brands reach out, they'll be like, oh, you know, we just want to partner up, you know, create a couple of recipes, like do this kind of thing. And it's like, no, no, no. You need to get this very, very specific, exactly what you're trying to do. Some of you might've had this experience where it's like you, the brand, like all of a sudden comes back with all these expectations of what would be part of this partnership. And you're like, oh, I didn't really think I was signing up for all that. Right. Um, so getting the deliverables na- nailed down is, is critical. The U in do stands for usage rights. And this is one that not enough creators think about, which is that what does the brand actually want to do with your content, right? Do they want to just, oh, you know, organically repost it or reshare it on their social media? Or do they want to run a billion dollars of paid advertising behind it, right? Like you joke, you laugh, but like th- this happens, right? And so you sh- you need to be compensated for something like that, right? So it's, it's really, really critical for you to understand what are they actually trying to do with this content. And then the last one is E for exclusivity. Are they wanting you to be exclusive to their brand for a certain time period, meaning you cannot work with other competitors in that particular category? So let's say it's like, um, you know, uh, this is actually a funny anecdote. So my wife and I partnered with uh, a food brand and they were they wanted all they wanted the, the the exclusivity category to be snacks. And we were like, that's very broad, <laughs> right? Like that, like wow. that could be anything that could be cheap chips that could be all this, yeah. all, all this stuff, right? And so essentially, what we were able to negotiate uh, down was snacking cheeses, <laughs> right? That was that was it. so like, specific, but these are the things you have to think about as a creator because that could, you know, prohibit you from future partnership opportunities that are pretty, you know, I, we would consider pretty tangential, right? So, um, so like, that's just a a small example of like three major price levers that, that you should consider. So the do rule. Okay. I love that. I love the do rule. So talking about your three goal types and then also your three points under the do rule, is that something you discuss with a brand before you even get to the contract stage? Like, do you just bring that up right away? Oh my goodness. A hundred percent. All of the things that we're going to be talking about today about these levers and negotiation strategies, all of this has to be done prior to getting the contract. Because once you have the contract in hand, it's too late. It's too late to be like... When you have the contract again, there's definitely like contractual language that you can potentially discuss with them. But the major deal points, such as the deliverables and the usage rights and the exclusivity and how much you're going to be paid and all those things, all of that needs to be done before you have the contract in hand. Because then essentially what's happened is that once you get the contract to, to understand what happens on the other side of this for the brand or the agency that you're working with, this has now for you to have that contract in hand, they have actually had to go to the legal department or potentially their boss and said, okay, this influencer's locked in. Here's the rate. Here's the deal points. Legal team, can you draft this con- contract for us, right? So it's already gotten these approvals. And so if you now then go back to them and be like, oh, I looked at the contract and no, I, I'm not going to do this. Like you have to pay me more money or you have to like, 
do all these other things, you are making your contact look very bad because, right, they have to go back to their boss and be like, oh, like I screwed up. Sorry. Like they're, they're actually not going to do it for this rate. And then they have to go to the legal team and be like, oh, I'm sorry. Like, can you redo this or whatever? And so basically you need to like have this perspective that um, like this all has to be negotiated ahead of time so that you can uh, ensure that everything is kind of running smoothly. Oh, I love to hear that. And yeah, like you save yourself so much time by thinking through things like this, I'm sure, mm-hmm, on mm-hmm. both ends. So what other mistakes do you have? Oh, my goodness. Okay, so here's one that I see being made a lot. Um, I think creators negotiate against themselves a lot, right? So a brand will uh, reach out and they you know, will be very interested in, in partnering with the creator. And then the creator is so excited about not losing this deal or not screwing it up. Let's say it's like a dream brand or something. And so they say, oh, well, you know, I usually charge uh, 1500, but I I can do it for a (laughs) thousand, right? Like I really want to make this work. And so it's like, no, you say my rate is 1500 and then you shut up, <laughs> right? Like, like truly, like you, you are negotiating against yourself. Give the brand the opportunity to surprise you essentially, right? Like there is, I, I have done, like I said, I have done hundreds and hundreds of sponsorships at this point. And I think I've literally only ever had a brand pull an opportunity off the table once in hundreds and hundreds of deals. So I think a lot of creators think that they're just going to like yank the deal away. And no, the, the worst they're going to say is, no, <laughs> they're going to say, no, sorry, we can't do it for that rate. And then, but you could still take the other, you know, the, like, sorry, like our rate is this, and then you could still take it. Right. So, um, I think a lot of it has to do with confidence, right? A lot of it has to do with knowing your worth and knowing that you're bringing a lot of valuable assets to the table when you do these types of partnerships. And so, um, <laughs> that's what I teach, uh, teach creators a lot of my content and my courses and things like that is like, you need to like stand your ground and like be confident in, 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 in your capabilities. What about like bringing up a number? Because I know this is always an uncomfortable thing for me when I'm, I have not worked with many brands, but when I have, it's like, I don't want to say a number because I feel like, well, maybe they have a budget that's way beyond what my number is. So how do you manage that? Yeah. So the advice that I always give is always, always, always try to ask the brand's budget prior to giving a number. And a lot of um, these, some of these things that I'm talking about, about asking campaign goals uh, and asking about all these different, uh, you know, aspects of the campaign can really go a long way to, to kind of, what I teach creators is like, you need to be a detective. It's all about asking all these different questions so that you can get a much more, uh, a much fuller picture of what the campaign entails. Here's a good example. If you can start, uh, you know, asking like the best thing is like if you can get on a call or a Zoom call or something and just, you know, ask about the campaign, understand a little bit more about the goals and the, the messaging and things like that. For example, if you can uh, if the brand tells you like, oh, yeah, there's like a big uh, broadcast component to this, a TV component campaign that we're doing and they're running we're running print ads in magazines in in, you know, uh, you know, Cosmopolitan and like, you know, Better Homes and Gardens and like uh, food and like all this stuff. Right. And then uh, you as a creator, the light bulb should go off in your head and be like, wow, they're spending a lot of money on this campaign. Right. So it's like um, like things like that. Again, it's being about being a detective and trying to understand like this, this influencer marketing campaign component is just one small piece of a much larger campaign that the brand is working on. And so that's just an example of like things that you can do as a creator. But but really, it should be about um 
you know, using vocabulary and using words that uh, illustrate to the brand that you know your worth. So, for example, some of the phrases that I like to use are, oh, I'm, I'm so excited about this opportunity. Can you let me know the budget that you have allocated to this partnership? Right. So um, asking these types of words, um, like a, a, another example is like, um, I'm, I'm so excited. Uh, the investment. Well, look, what is the um, I love using the word investment a lot as a creator because it implies that the brand is going to get something in return. <laughs> right. right. So rather than saying cost or uh, fee yes. or rate or my price, it's not. No, like it's not it's not an expense working with you. It's an investment because they're going to get these amazing assets. They're going to get the, you know these assets they can repurpose. They're going to get this amazing partnership with you. Right. So it's like um, I coach creator, I coach creators a lot like about language and vocabulary because the the way in which you kind of describe your value proposition to the brand price is secondary. It's a secondary thing. It's not like the thing you lead with. It's like, no, as part of this partnership, you're going to go get boom, 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 boom. You're going to you know get all these things when you partner with me. And then, oh, by the way, the investment is going to be X, Y, Z. Right. And then at that point, it's like, it's a, it's, it's like a secondary thing, <laughs> you know, thing that you, that you talk with about the brand. So you're right. It is, it is tough. I actually did it just at a thread on, on Twitter the other day about how do you you tell the brand that you need that need to pay you when you're the one pitching them first because that's also like a very challenging thing it's like oh well when they reach out to me it kind of makes sense like they're gonna like they will expect to pay me but when i pitch them how do i say well yeah i want to work with you but you still need to pay me so there's all these kind of like you know um like tactics that you can take but but you're right it's always kind of like the first person to name the number is is the is the loser right because you've kind of price anchored yourself I was yeah, I totally first of all agree with that. Like language really does matter. It's so important because you can come off as being not very confident just by the words you're using, even if you are totally confident. So I was doing some practice uh, talks with a friend because I'm hoping to work with brands more. And she kept pointing out that I was saying things like, I hope that this will be or like just not strong. Like my mm -hmm. words were not confident. They weren't exuding excitement. They were just like very loose and squishy. And she's like, nope, you are going into this excited. And so, yeah, there's so much power in the words you use. Yeah. And, and, and I think one of the other things is that you want the brand to, well, one of the things I teach is that be, don't be a creator, be a consultant. Because when you can illustrate to the brand or the agency that you really know what you're doing, and in fact, they'll actually probably learn a, t a thing or two from you, right? Then it becomes not transactional. It's, a, it's truly a partnership. It's like, you know, how can you stand apart from your other creators by asking these types of questions and by being confident in your craft? I think a lot of creators think like, oh, well, you know, there's so many food bloggers out there. Or like, there's so many people on social media. Like, what do I, what value do I have that's different than the, the next blogger or whatever? Like, oh, I don't have that many followers or whatever. Um, and and so I always like encourage them like your skill set that you have is incredibly valuable, especially to brands, because we think that we don't know much. But like, for example, maybe this brand has is really wanting to like crack a TikTok strategy. And you've actually like, you know, you let's say you've got 5000 followers on TikTok, which maybe doesn't seem like a lot to you. But to a brand, that's like, wow, you have 5000 followers on TikTok. Like and essentially you come to them and say and part of your proposal or part of your pitch is, hey, I will help your brand figure out your TikTok strategy. Right. So now you're a consultant. You're not just a creator. It's not just about leveraging the organic distribution on your platforms. It's now about how can you bring heightened value to the brand in a totally different way. Right. So it's like um, I think it's really critical for you not not to discount your knowledge and expertise as a creator, because a lot of brands have no idea. If you've ever gone to a brand's YouTube channel, I'm sure you've experienced this, like any random brand, like 
all they're posting on there is like their 30 second like TV ads. <laughs> it's like, it's like, I'm sorry, like that, that's not going to work on YouTube, right? Like it, you have to post long form content. It's like totally different. So um, there's just like, honestly, an unlimited, there's unlimited opportunities to like work with brands and help them think through their social strategy. And so I really encourage creators to kind of lean, lean more into that. Okay, just a really quick tangent uh, question, and then we'll get back on track. But do you recommend getting on a call with brands or doing all of this through email? Or does it depend? So I always, you know, I know, I, so me personally, I love getting on calls. I love getting on Zooms. I love I love that you can establish a rapport. It's very easily, you know, very easy for a brand to kind of fall in love with your personality, you know, especially if you're someone who's, who's very outgoing and things like that, when, when you can kind of put a face to the name. But I also temper that with, I know that there's a lot of creators who are really terrified of doing that, right? Because they think they're going to say the wrong thing and they don't want to screw it up and all that stuff. And so I don't, I think it's mandatory per se, but I do think it's like a a goal to strive towards and to aspire towards because when you can when you can get to the point in your creator career where you can just like hop on a call, hop on a Zoom call and just be like totally comfortable and just like confident in your craft and like, you know, talking about your experience, like that that is the goal to aspire to. But you can absolutely forge amazing, healthy, thriving relationships with brands via email, like, like totally 100%. So I I don't want to like scare people away. But um, I do think there is a lot of power in like jumping on a call. Absolutely. And you're not going to get to that point where you're super comfortable if you're not doing it. So I, I always totally. say, like, even if it's scary and uncomfortable, do it anyway. Even if you mess up your words and you don't say everything perfectly, at least you're doing it. Here's, here's my uh, push to like people listening to like hear that, which is that you need repetitions under your belt, okay, so that you don't screw up your dream partnership, <laughs> is my advice. So it's like, you want to be doing that. You want to go out there. You're going to make some mistakes. It's inevitable, right? I'm trying to help educate people so they don't have to make as many mistakes, but, you know, like, it's going to happen. Like, you're going to, you know, you're going to, you know, uh, have, you know, uncomfortable and awkward conversations with brands and you're just going to have to like, you know, be like, next time, I'm not going to say something like that. I'm not going to say, you know, oh, I hope you're comfortable with this thing that I'm proposing, right? No, you're right. Like, so it's like you just constantly improve and then you're going to get to the point where it's like, oh my gosh, you get an email in your inbox from, you know, your dream brand. And then it's like, I got this, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to screw this one up. Yes. Oh, I love that advice. That's so great. Okay. Let's get back to our mistakes. Do you have any more mistakes that creators make? Okay, so two more quick ones. So, so um, not offering multiple packages. I think this is really, really critical is that a lot of times brands will, will message creators and then they'll just be like, oh, yeah, sure. My rate for one you know, blog post and, and in, you know, round of social sharing is $2,000, right? It's, it's very much reactive, right? And so my next level, level tactic that I teach is, no, you need to be offering multiple packages at different price points even if the brand didn't ask you for that, right? Because um, essentially what happens is that you have to understand as a creator, when when a brand reaches out to you for a campaign, they're not, they're probably not just working with you. They're probably working with, let's say 10, 20, 30, 50, 100 other creators if it's a, if it's a giant campaign. So by offering multiple packages, let's say that your highest tier is they ask for you in the email, they ask you for like one post, but you're offering, let's say four posts in your highest tier, the brand all of a sudden realizes like, oh, wow, we could actually hire this creator to make four pieces of content. And then that means that we don't have to like deal with three other creators as part of this campaign. And so it's just one email thread, right? It's one contract. And uh, you're probably, yeah, maybe you're giving them some sort of, you know, volume, you know, concession or something at the highest tier, but you have essentially 
upsold yourself, right? And you've won more business because you understand, again, it comes back to asking questions. When you say, oh, how many other creators are you working with on this partnership? If they say 20, you should get money signs in your eyes and be like, oh, okay, I'm going to do some upselling. I'm going to you know, say you can work with me. Uh, I know you didn't ask for this, but you can do four or five posts with me. And uh, basically, you're making the, the brands or the agency's life easier, right? So it's like, it's, it's a very, very easy way to get more uh, to you know, upsell your your sponsorships and and make more money, uh, even if the brand isn't isn't thinking about that. It goes back to what you said in the beginning about us being a production company in a box. So if we can present ourselves like that, then that is way more appealing than you know, like separating out our jobs into like five different people. <laughs> I just want to take a really quick break here so that we can talk about a few things going on at eBlog Talk, and then we will dive right back into our conversation. First, I would just love to put this request out there. If you are willing to go to Apple Podcasts, I'm assuming that a lot of you listen to this podcast through that podcast player or whatever podcast player you listen through. Go to the podcast player of your choice and find eBlog Talk. I'm sure you're probably already on there. So if you're not driving, go ahead and do that. Scroll down to the bottom where you will see places where you can rate and review this podcast. If you would do that, I would be so grateful. Thank you to those of you who have done it. I really appreciate your kind words. Doing this simple act adds so much value to this podcast. Other people come and they look at those reviews and they take those words in. So I really appreciate you doing this. One more quick thing and we can dive back into the episode. As of the time I'm recording this, there are a couple spots left in the eBlog Talk Mastermind program. I am closing this group down at the end of the year. So December 31st, 2021 will be the last day that you can apply to get inside this group. We likely will open up another mastermind group in the future, but there are no set plans for that currently. I want to fill this group and get the value rolling even more than it already is. It's so powerful inside. So if you're interested, go to eblogtalk.com, fill out an application, get on the wait list, and I hope you're a great fit. I hope to see you inside. Thank you. And now we can get back to the episode. I think really kind of the last major thing uh, about mistakes is is just not knowing when to walk away. I think a lot of creators feel like they are when they get down the road of a negotiation and just something doesn't feel right. Right. There's something in your gut that just is like a red flag. It's just like, I don't this just doesn't seem right. You are completely within your rights to walk away. Right. Because at the end of the day, like not only do you need to be comfortable with the partnership, but you need to be attuned to uh, your audience, right? If you if you're like have this gut feeling that it's just not going to go over well, and they're like trying to force you to do things and you know say things that aren't really authentic to you, you you cannot ignore that. And I think it's a really critical thing that when you finally feel the power to like say no, you're going to naturally uh, start manifesting the partnerships that are the right ones because you're going to free up your time and your mental real estate to focus on the brands that really do truly value you. I hear this a lot, which is like creators like they're doing a lot of these kind of like you know a couple hundred dollar deals, thousands dollar deals and they're just doing like a large volume of them, you know, and it just seems like they just can't quite get past that edge of like finding the brands that are willing to like compensate them uh, fairly. Um, and so uh, my recommendation is like, you're going to have to stop doing a lot of those deals to be able to start going out there and, and doing cold pitches and reaching out to brands proactively, not just through the brand deal platforms and things like that too. So um, there really is power in, in the word no. Um, and, and that helps get you to where you want to be. 
I feel like so much energy and time can be opened up for us if we just listen to our gut more. It's so hard to do, especially when, you know, money's involved and you feel the pressure to make money and find money and find ways to earn more money. And you're like, oh, a brand's interested. Yes. And even though our gut is telling us, hmm, this doesn't feel right. I've had that happen before. And it's, it's not good to follow that money, the dollar sign instead of what your gut is saying. Okay, so we talked about a lot of huge mistakes that gave us a lot of food for thought. So thank you for all of those. What mistakes do you see creators making when brands reach out to them? So not necessarily when we're seeking out brands, but when we get that random email in our inbox saying, hey, Megan, I want to work with you. Yeah. What are the mistakes there? Okay. So there's three main ones that I see. And um, this is, this is the, by the way, this is the most, uh, like, uh, typical situation, right? Where where creators, you've been chugging, you you love your craft, you're like trying to build up your platforms. And so it's not like you're actively out there trying to like, like work with brands. It's just like, oh, like this opportunity just like randomly showed up in my inbox. And it's like, oh, what do I do? Right. And so um, the first thing I want to talk about is responsiveness, because in, in, you know, in my experience, there is a very high correlation between the influencers that reply to emails very quickly, let's say within a few hours, and how seamless that partnership will ultimately be. Um, look, you know, I, I tell creators, like, I, I get, you don't want to, like, constantly keep an eye on your inbox, but you can work smarter and not harder. So, like, for example, you can, like, let's say set alerts in Gmail you know, for certain keywords like sponsorship or partnership or collaboration or paid or something like that. Right. And ensure that those emails get sent to your, let's say, priority inbox. Right. Or, um, you know, you can hire a virtual assistant part time to like triage your email inbox and maybe alert you about important messages. It's actually a lot more affordable than I think a lot of people realize. And, and again, maybe they're not like doing it for eight hours a day, but maybe they check in for 20 minute blocks like three times a day or something for, you know, a total of one hour. Right. And so y- you can honestly find VAs that will do this for, for very affordably. Um, and you know, look, look, I, th- I think it's important to understand how influencer campaigns come together. So when the, when the brand or the agency is actually reaching out to you, that means they're actually pretty far down the path of, of execution, right? If, if it's the brand, that person already got their manager's approval, right? If it's an agency, they've already got the brand's approval. And so, and typically when that approval comes it's like go time, right? So like, so they don't, they don't want to wait three or four days to hear back from you. If they emailed, you know, 50 or 75 people, who do you think they're going to give priority to, right? The, the people that email them back right away so they can get this thing going, right? And here's, here's another really critical thing is that also by, by not responding for days, right? You're basically telling them that if they were to hire you every single time, that they email you, they're going to have to wait three to four days to hear back, and that and that's a message. Yeah, and it's sending that message. It's, it's a message, and that's simply not going to cut it. You, you and and you know, you might say, well, yeah, but if I was hired on the campaign, I would be like more timely, right? right? right. But they don't know that, right? They, the the timeliness of your first communication is all they have to go off of. So you really do need to treat like that moment with the gravity it deserves. And that doesn't mean you have to be a slave to your email. No. You could check your email once a day mm-hmm. and be just like you could be very responsive with that. Hundred percent, exactly. And um, and and the other um, like I want to mention like one other thing, which is that if you have a manager, I know some creators have managers. Make sure you have some sort of agreement with them in place about how quickly they're going to respond, right? Be, you know, you might think, but like, but wait, isn't that like the manager's job to like handle all that? And you know, that's why I hired him. 
Well, you would think so, right? But two things happen a lot. Either the influencer responds quickly and then CCs their manager, (laughs) but then the manager doesn't respond for multiple days, or it's clearly like a manager's email address in the creator's like business inquiries area or contact form or whatever, but no one ever responds <laughs> to, to those inquiries. And so that's honestly the worst because, you know, I, like I mentioned, I run an influencer agency. And, and at that point, we have no idea if the creator even knows that we're trying to bring them an opportunity, right? So I just wanted to mention that because I, I just make sure that you do your due diligence when kind of adding people to your team to help manage your, your, your business. That's a great point. I don't think of that. I do have a VA that um, checks my email. And I mean, I, I assume that that happens, but communicating that up front and being really specific about it, I think is really smart. Do you have any other mistakes that you see creators making when brands reach out to them? Yeah. So the second mistake I I see being made is, is failing to answer every single question that the brand or the agency asks. So, you know, remember I mentioned like when we're emailing 50 or a hundred creators to see who might be interested in the campaign, let's say that there's multiple things that we need to do. For example, uh, you know, like in the food realm, there's a lot of like uh, age specific campaigns, right? So you want to have kids who are of like certain ages for certain foods and things like that, right? So um, for example, uh, the brand or the agency is asking ages of your kids or where you live because the food isn't, you know, the product isn't available in all, all parts of the world or the country. Or maybe if, especially if you have an affinity for that product, right? Like, have you already posted about the brand organically before, right? If so, can you send that to the brand, right? The, so again, the chances uh, of the brand picking you are going to go way up if they already know that you're a fan of the product, right? So um, like, I'm going to be real with you, one, more than 50% of the time, of the time, influencers either don't answer any of the questions (laughs) or only ever answer some of them, right? Which means that we have to follow up with them, which means that that's more emails multiplied by however many creators didn't answer everything, right? So um, I always say like, look, your number one job as a creator is to make it easy for them. So if you illustrate that you have incredible attention to detail, you answer all their questions, uh, and 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 even if they don't ask for it, you right, you send them a link to a piece of conf- content that you made a few months ago talking about the brand, right? You're going to instantly zoom to the top of their list of creators that they're going to recommend to their manager or their agency, uh, you know, to the client. I suppose that people get so excited that the brand's reaching out to them, that they're like, I have to hurry and respond back, but they don't take the time to thoroughly look through and make sure that they're addressing every single question. Yep. Yep. And then the last item that I would say is not following up, you know, so, you know, let's say that you did a great job, right? You responded within a day, you know, or a couple hours, you were very professional when you negotiated, you know, the brand of the agency, uh, seemed really upbeat and, and generally they were just kind of like good vibes all around. Um, then what? Right. They, they probably they, they probably said something like, OK, well, you know, we're going to think everything through uh, or if it's an agency, we're going to circle back with the brand and we'll let you know. And then nothing. Right. So pro- I think, you know, probably um, I think less than five creators follow up at this point. Most people think, well, you know, I don't want to bother them. Right. If they really want to, like, move forward with me, they're going to reach out. Right. Um, and while that can be true. You as a creator should use this downtime to continue to illustrate how good of a partner that you're going to be on this campaign. So, you know, see, you're, you're probably right. What's likely happening is they just haven't selected which influencers they're going to move forward with yet. But if they're trying to decide between you and someone else who has a similar following as you, similar audience demographics or whatever, right? Um, but you're the one who followed up with them two or three times over the last month. Which influencer do you think they're going to go with, right? It's probably you, right? You seem the most interested. You're definitely the most communicative, which let me tell you is a huge part of what makes a collaboration 
successful, right? I mean, I can't tell you how many deals we've done where it was like pulling teeth to get every single thing from the creator, right? So, you know, it took multiple emails to get their concept from them. You know, it took, you know, and then for the brand that they could review it before the shot, it took multiple emails to get drafts of the content for review, right? So, you know, those are all the little details that go into a partnership that, uh, you know, brands and agencies think about. So if you can show them at the very beginning that you're going to be super easy to work with, it's going to be a no-brainer decision for them to hire you. How much time do you recommend letting pass until you follow up through another email? Yeah, I mean, you know, to some degree, I think you need to kind of observe the cadence or the timeline of how quickly it seems like they're needing to get this thing turned around, right? So if they, especially if they outline a timeline for the partnership, um, you need to like give yourself like some grace and be like, okay, like they said that they need this content in 10 days, right? So I'm probably going to follow up in one day if that's the case, right? Because I can't wait four days because then I'll have no time to complete this if they select me, right? So it's like, I think to some degree, you also need to like uh, understand how these things come together. And so, and, and, you know, by that same token, if it's them just saying, oh, you know, we're like doing initial outreach for like 2022 ambassadorship. Like my wife and I just had a call uh, yesterday for a 2022 potential ambassadorship. And so it's like, that's something that has a little bit more lead time, right? So it's like, maybe you give yourself five to six days to follow up, uh, you know, after you've already sent, you know, kind of the initial information. It's all about like whose court the ball is in, I would say, right? Um, like you might think, okay, the ball's in their court. I already said my, my rates and stuff. No, like you don't need to wait for them to respond. You can follow up and and provide additional value. Like this is one of my favorite things that I teach in my course is like at that point. So for example, let's say you put you, you know, you, know, you send over all your packages, you send, you know, all the information that they ask for. Um, and then the next follow-up is not, oh, hey, I just wanted to follow up, see how things are going. No, that's not, that's not what you do. What you do is you, you per continue to provide value. So for example, let's say the campaign is going to be on TikTok. Oh, there's this really interesting article that I just saw on TikTok about, you know, how successful you can be, how successful food brands are on TikTok or something, right? So it's like very easy to find industry-focused articles about this kind of stuff. And you send that to the brand and be like, oh, hey, by the way, you know, just want to check in. I saw this article. I thought of you. Um, would love to chat about this or, or something like that, right? So it's like you're continuing to provide value in every communication that you, that you send to the brand. Is it like you're finding holes and not in a bad way, but just like maybe the photos on their site or bad or they're missing or something like that, where you can say, oh, I noticed that you're lacking photos. I could help you with that. Things like that. Oh my gosh, Megan, you're speaking my language now. <laughs> That's exactly what you do. So like how many brands have you seen? You come across like, the, let's say their Instagram or something and you go and their content sucks, right? It's like you love their product, but it's like they're the, you know, the quality is, is, is not great. They're not posting super frequently. Maybe they're posting like once every three weeks or something. How powerful would it be if you go to that brand and say, hey, yeah, I know you asked me to like, hey, like a, to do a recipe post and like, you know, social shares and stuff. But like, I would love to help you take your social strategy to the next level. I can create five to 10, you know, photos or reels or videos for you every single week or every single month or whatever. It's going to be $2,500 a month or whatever. But this will help take your, you know, uh, brand presence to the next level on platform X, right? All of a sudden, you just gave yourself a, pay, a, a recurring payday right? As a creator, right? So it's like you are not confined as a creator to what the brand is pitching to you, right? So it's like, I've had so many creators who've gone through my course who've done this. They've like turned this type of thing into like a full-time job with a brand because they have pitched these, these different um, types of partnerships. So as the consultant, we are pointing out those things that they really need that they're missing because we've got it all. We're that entire box. I want to talk about 
when we get those emails that we've all gotten, every food blogger listening can relate to what I'm saying right now. When they say, I have a great product, I'd love to send it to you. I would love for you to try it out. And it's kind of like this weird question mark, like, okay, I love your free product, but am I going to get paid for this? How do we deal with that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's that's my favorite one. And because um, I think that a lot of creators, what I have found is that a lot of creators are very bitter and jaded about this kind of thing because th- it happens all the time, right? And what I have often found is that uh, creators do not make the ask, which is they need to ask, They you need to say, pay me, right? Because a lot of creators, what happens is they'll, they'll do this, they'll get the pre-product and then it's like they get mad because they're mad that the, the brand didn't offer outright. And so what oftentimes happens is that like, what do you, what do you think is going to happen when they're sending this product out or, you know, the, this email inquiry out to a hundred creators, there is going to be creators out there who say yes. And so the default for them is to be like, just assume that they're, you're going to accept it for free, right? So the onus is on you to illustrate to them that why they should pay you, right? It's a lot of this stuff that we've talked about. So it's like, you know, if, if all you're going to be doing is sharing it on your social platforms, then, then yeah, maybe the brand is going to be like, okay, well, you're just like every other creator. But if you're the one who's saying, hey, I took a look, took a look at your social profiles, I can create content for you. I can, you know, I'm going to give you the rights to use it for paid advertising for this certain duration. Yes, the investment is going to be XYZ, but here's all the things that I'm going to offer you. So the onus is on you to craft a very compelling proposal for the brand for them to be like, like so impressed at your initiative that it's going to be a no brainer for like, oh yeah, of course I understand this is going to like, cost money, basically. So it's really our responsibility. And I do see this as a common frustration. People get very upset about this. Like, oh my gosh, how can they ask me that? Well, yeah, it's like that whole concept of do what's in your control. And really, if it's out of your control, don't worry about it. So this is like taking control of that situation and maybe researching their website or researching their social media and counter offering with like, oh, here's what I can help you with here is my rate or something along those lines. Yeah, there, there's this book that I read recently that I really recommend. Um, it's called $100 Million Offers, How to Make Offers So Good People Feel Stupid Saying No. <laughs> um, and it's by Alex Harmozy. And um, the, the, the big takeaway that I got from this book is that you, you, your job is to make your interaction with the brand so unique and so unlike working with any other creator that it won't feel like a transaction to them, right? It's you're, you're essentially going to help them. You know, you're like a, like I said, you're consulting, you're parachuting into their business. You're helping them identify gaps in their marketing strategies on social media, right? It's, it's going to feel like the best ROI they've ever gotten for a marketing investment, right? So it's, again, it's all about asking questions. What is success going to look like? Can you share experiences, your experience of working with other creators in the past? What worked well? What worked didn't, what didn't work so well, right? What social platforms are your customers most active on? Are there platforms where you're still trying to figure out your strategy, right? So it's like, you know, like what do these questions accomplish? Well, First of all, do you think 99% of creators are asking these things? No, they're not asking these things, right? They're saying, oh, sure, you know, my rate for one, you know, blog post or one IG post is like $2,000, right? No, so by showing even the slightest bit of interest in the brand's objectives, you're just not, you're not another creator now, right? You're, you are not just another influencer on, you know, a, a food blogger or Instagram or TikTok, right? That is why they're going to pay you. Okay, I'm writing like all these amazing quotes you're saying down and (laughs) don't be just another creator. I love that you don't have to be like everyone else, stand out in some way. What else? Is there anything else that we could touch on regarding that issue? Yeah, so um, 
I think that like w- one thing I really wanted to like make sure we covered is like how creators can make brand deals sustainable, because I think that there's a lot of creators who really struggle with this kind of like one off thing where it's like they get a lot of one off deals. It's like on the platforms or the brands reaching out. They don't want to like uh, they, d- they don't really understand. Like, I-, I know I can make good money working with brands, but it's like, how can I? rely on that income? How can I make sure that this is kind of like a dependable source of income in, t- in, in addition to the other ways I'm making money as a as a food blogger? Um, and so I wanted to discuss this concept of, of what I call a pipeline, right? So so let's talk a little bit about how long sometimes it takes to bring a, a, a partnership together. So you get the initial email from the brand, let's say, right? Then you are going back and forth over email for, let's say, a week or two, right? Sometimes longer. Then you you know agree on the deal terms, then you get the contract. Sometimes there's back and forth on the contract, right? It's a week or two with the legal team, even longer. Sometimes you sign the contract, then you got to submit oftentimes a concept before you create the content, right? To get that approved, that's going to be a week or two. They provide feedback. Sometimes you got to go back to the drawing board, provide new concepts, right? Then they give you the green light. Finally, then you create the content. That's going to be another, depending on how, how many you know assets is, you know, another maybe week or two or three. Then you submit the draft content for review to the brand. Then there's another feedback round where the brand provides you their edits and their feedback. Then you got to submit that again for final approval. Then the brand finally approves it. And then you maybe post it in another week or two. And then you're going to get paid another 30 to 60 days from that point when you actually post it, right? Or 90 days sometimes, right? It's like, it's crazy. But, and so if we added all of that time up, you probably see pretty quickly that uh, uh, from start to finish, from when that money hits your bank account, it's probably going to be four or five months, right? Or, you know, maybe three months at the, at the minimum, right? So it's like, it's not enough for you to sit here as a creator and be like, oh, I don't know how I'm going to like, you know, pay my rent next month, you know, like as a creator, you need to have a much longer term perspective and what I call a sales pipeline as a creator. So what that means is that you have a bunch of different brands at different phases of kind of this sales prospect, a process, um, like that you're working with at any given time. So you have some brands who are like just initial conversations. You have some brands who you're in negotiations with. You have some brands who you're in the execution phase, right? And you've obviously get quickly overwhelmed by this, but you need to, I teach that you need to have kind of an organization system to kind of keep track of where everyone's at in this process. Um, but it's like, that is how you in, ensure that you have kind of a uh, uh, an even uh, brand deal income. So it's not super lumpy where it's like, Oh, I get this brand deal. And then it's like, Oh, I don't get one for another couple months. And it's like, it just feels very, uh, it's, it's very anxiety inducing. I think it's like, you just don't know where that next paycheck is going to come from. And so you really do need to have much more of a business mindset when it comes to working with brands as a creator, because let me, let me tell you, like I, we have made so much more money working with brands than pretty much any other like revenue source as a creator. So it's like, yeah, we're on YouTube. We get AdSense. Yeah, we have affiliates. Yeah, we, you know, merch and like your know, courses and digital products and stuff. So we're making money in other ways, but like brand deals is you can make so much more money, especially in, in food, you know, so we do food, we do family, we do all the stuff. It's like, this is the primary, one of the major primary categories that brands want to work with is food creators. So I, I hope if there's like one takeaway that people get from this, this, uh, this discussion is like brand partnerships can be a much more meaningful part of your revenue sources as a creator than you may have thought. Oh, I think we're all going to just eat this up. This is such great information. <laughs> and I agree. There's so much opportunity. It's just, you know, some of these pieces that we've talked about today seem really overwhelming or like insurmountable. Yeah. Like, how could I ever get on a call? You know, there's so many different pieces that are um, 
maybe a challenge in our minds. So thank you for breaking all of this down and making it seem like it's worth it if you dig into it, if you really do want to um, dig into a new revenue stream and make connections with brands. It is definitely worth the effort. Let me let me leave one one more one more thought here, which is that I think a lot of creators think that like every brand in the sun has has worked with creators and influencers before, and that is definitely not the case. There are not only are there new brands being created every day, but there are thousands and thousands of brands who have literally never worked with a creator or an influencer before. And they're terrified. <laughs> they're terrified. They don't know. They're scared of it. They don't understand it. They, they, they think it's like, you know, unpredictable. They they feel like they're going to lose control if they like, you know, let someone talk about their product and stuff. And so it's like, you, you think that's crazy because we're so deep in this world that it's just like, oh, of course, like brands work with creators, right? Like that's crazy, right? But no, there are so many. And so the reason I like to say this is that like, like you know a lot as a creator, and there's still so many brands that will find your expertise uh, so exciting and valuable, and they'll pay you money for it. And so it's like, don't think that you need to be this like expert guru on like you know social strategy and like bringing campaigns together. No, like just be your authentic self, and there will be brands out there that that value that. And that makes it so much less intimidating when you think of it that way. Like we tend to put them up on a pedestal, like they know everything. They know exactly how this all goes down. And that is not the case. Totally, totally. Oh, Justin, thank you. This has been so amazing. I have literally taken like three pages worth of notes. (laughs) So good. So much value here. And I am not going to be the only one to think that. So just thank you for your time today. We really appreciate you. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. And if if anyone would would like to follow me, I I drop a lot of these like kind of like two hundred and eighty character gems on Twitter. If you want to follow me a lot, um, and then I also I think. Um you know, would be probably most exciting to people here is that I have a completely free newsletter that I send out every single week with new sponsorship opportunities. And so it's like a lot of them are actually food focused because, uh, you know, I just see a lot of those types of deals. I'm kind of very plugged in with a lot of different sources of like where all these deals are coming from. So um, you can maybe check the show notes, uh, Megan, if you can include it in there and and uh, the link will be in there. Um, and then I, I, I mentioned briefly uh, during the course, but I, I also do teach a course called Brand Deal Wizard uh, and I run it three times a year. It's a cohort based course. So it's actually taught live over Zoom over four weeks. Uh, and so if you have, if anyone is interested, um, you could just go to branddealwizard.com to find out more. Awesome. Yes, everyone go check it out. Um, and before we go, before we wrap up, Justin, do you have either a favorite quote or words of inspiration to share? Yeah, I would say like my, my words of inspiration, um, you know, which I've tried to emphasize over the course of this interview is just like um, being your authentic self is is what is going to take is, is what is going to differentiate you from other creators out there. And I know it's, it's so uh, inherently social media is, is like a comparison game. It's like, Oh, that person has uh, like so, so many more followers than me, or they're doing, they're getting so many more partnerships than me and, and, and things like that. And so I, the biggest advice is I can, I can give is like um, you're, you're only on your own timeline, right? There's no other timeline that matters other than your own. You create good, you know, great content, you create great brand partnerships, uh, and that is enough. That is okay. And, you know, so comparing yourself to like how, how, uh, the life that other people have, um, is the quickest way to kind of burn yourself out as a creator. And so I always try to encourage creators to just like, 
you're only on you're you're on your own path and that's all that matters oh such wise words to end on thank you for that too so you mentioned show notes we will put all of this in the show notes so if you guys want to go peek at that you can go to eatblogtalk.com forward slash creator wizard to get all of those goodies that justin was talking about so um check him out there and on are you on instagram I am on Instagram at creator wizard at creator wizard. Okay. So go follow Justin there too. Thank you again, Justin, for being here. So great to talk to you today and to connect and thank you for listening. Food bloggers. I will see you next time. We're glad you could join us on this episode of eat blog talk for more resources based on today's discussion, as well as show notes and an opportunity to be on a future episode of the show. Be sure to head to eatblogtalk.com. If you feel that hunger for information, we'll be here to feed you on Eat Blog Talk.